I think having a really healthy mindset is about really maximizing your opportunity to, you know, live out your full potential as a human being. That's a lot of the sort of the practices that I do myself and I work on with my clients is just like, what sort of things can we do to be able to really maximize our potential in, in the workplace and with our families and relationships? Welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. My name is Rachel Tapscott, and today I have Stephen Morris on the show to talk about what it takes to be a great leader and the importance of effective systems and processes to have a successful organization. Stephen began his career designing multi-million dollar racing yachts and coaching teams to help his clients win some of the world's most demanding yacht races. So today we're going to talk about how to really get a team to work together to achieve success in work, but also to create a positive and fulfilling work environment that focuses on putting people first. Stephen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me, Rachel. I really appreciate being here. Something that caught my eye when I was reading over your profile was that 82% of issues in a business are people issues. So can you describe to me what are some of those issues that start with people? Well, you know, people are people, right? And so everybody comes to work with the best of intentions, but communication, things get in the way, maybe some skills some training stuff starts coming up and we have misunderstandings, right? Or we don't maybe have a level of trust around the team that allows everybody to kind of work together. And so these things, you know, just start compounding in a team. And I think when they start showing up, then unfortunately, then, you know, they get in the way, they become obstacles to the team being able to move forward and ultimately get to the goals and to the results that they're trying to get to. Mm, Absolutely. Can you tell me what is some of your work look like around working with teams and helping organizations with their processes? I do a couple of different things. So firstly, I'm a professional EOS implementer. So EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's really is a complete proven system of a simple set of tools that we use to help business owners and leadership teams, like really get what they want in, in their business. And there's a number of different components to it that we come in and we help business leadership teams with. People component is is a huge part of it, as as, uh, you were saying, like 82% of the issues that are coming up in businesses are usually around people issues. And so when we're working with helping business owners and leadership teams strengthen the people component in their business, we talk about two things. We call them right people, right seats. And this is a term from um, Jim Collins from Good to Great. And, you know, we in EOS, we, we really sort of provide some frameworks and some tools around being able to instantiate that to, to make that executable in the business. And so just to sort of dive into that a little bit, I mean, right people, people who fit your organization's core values. So we work a lot, you know, when we start working with our clients about like, what are your core values? Like, why are you guys in business? Like, who are you? Like, what gets you out of, out of bed in the morning? All of those sorts of things. And then defining those and then using those as a filter to be able to attract the people that you really want into your business. And also, you know, as a way, as a filter of being able to sort of repel the people that you don't want in your business. And and then we talk about right seats and right seats are people who are really great at their job. 
They've got the skills, the talent, the expertise to be really good at the job that they're doing. And so here we work with this concept called GWC, gets it once it has the capacity to do it. So does somebody get their job? You know, do they sort of have that innate internal ability to see what the job is and just to like know what's what's needed? Do they want the job? <laughs> do they get up out of bed in the morning wanting to come to work, you know, wanting to be the best at their job? And do they have the capacity to do it? You know, do they actually have the skills and training? And to a large degree, you know, gets it and wants it. Those things are innate. So you can't pay people to like, you know, like get a job or, or to want it even. People might be motivated by money, but, you know, they, that might be something a little different from like really wanting it. But the thing is, capacity to, capacity to do a job is trainable and that's something that you can put, you know, people on a development path for. So we use these tools to really make sure we're getting right people in right seats. You have to have both to have a very successful organization. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you work through that with your clients to find the right people? So as I was talking about, the, we start off the process with redefining core values, like who, who are you as a business? And I think this can be very interesting as well, because a lot of companies can use what we call play-to-pay core values. In other words, they're just things like saying integrity, and respect, words like that. And of course, you know, one of the examples we give is there's a company that had integrity, respect, and honesty or something as its core values. That company was called Enron, which, you know, for people who follow what goes on in the United States, you know, they had that written in their core values, but nobody in the company and leadership was actually following them, right? And so that's really where we work to be able to discover what they are and also to really make sure that what we're talking about in terms of discovering these core values are not also aspirational. You know, people can say, oh, we would like to be this, we would like to be that. But really it's like, what are you guys now at the moment? And, and the way we do that is sort of like pick, you know, you pick one of your star people in your business, you know, what sort of qualities are they exhibiting that makes you, you know, admire them or think that they're inspirational in your business, write down those qualities, like pick some other people, and then really sort of talk through stories like, okay, so if you think you're getting some of these ideas about core values come out, tell me a story. Where did that come up last week? Could you tell me a story how, you know, if you're going to say, integrity is one of your core values well tell me a story about why integrity was exhibited or like where was that used between one of your people and a client or customer last you know in the last couple of weeks and if people can't tell you those stories then they might not be like those real sort of core values so that's a definite way of, of really being able to get started is you know define who you are as a business you know, and I think those same things also apply on a personal level as well. <laughs> you know, as you're trying to sort of figure your way through life is who are you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just having a really good look at yourself and your business, I think, and being honest about that. I really like how you say, you know, when has that happened in the last couple of weeks? Because if, if you can't pinpoint a time that it's happened recently, is it really going to be one of your core values? <laughs> Yes, might be just be aspirational, which is fine. I mean, you can put it down and say, this is where we'd like to get to. But what I'm really trying to help uh, my clients do is figure out like, who are you right now? Because, 
you know, you can't pretend to be somebody else, right? I mean, it really needs to be a description of like who you really are right now and then figuring out like, how do we make sure, you know, having written those down, like when you're interviewing prospective candidates, you know, to, to say, this is what our core values are as a business. Do they sound like something that you might be prepared to sign up to? <laughs> You know, right? you know, so people can kind of see, oh, this is the type of business that I'm joining uh, and that sort of thing. And also, hope, you know, hopefully that process weeds out the people who look at that set of core values and say, well, that isn't, you know, something that I want to be a part of. Uh, and that's fine, right? That, that's, comp- that's what the whole process is supposed to be about. Mm, yeah, that's fantastic. So I see a few designs in your office just behind you there. And I want to ask you, how do you start a career in designing racing yachts? Ah, well, I guess that goes all the way back to childhood. <laughs> so I grew up in New Zealand. And of course, you know, as you know, New Zealand's a great sailing nation. So I grew up on the water and sailing and then went to college around the time in the sort of mid-1980s, right? So Australia won the America's Cup in 1983 and took it down to Perth. And at that that stage, New Zealand got very interested in getting into the America's Cup and it was the first New Zealand challenge. And that started this whole interest going in New Zealand about really elevating the game with yachting and with research. So I got to do research for my engineering studies at Auckland University. And, you know, then it's just kind of like being in the right place at the right time. So my, my first job out of college I was working on this white boat behind me here, which was called Fisher and Paykel New Zealand. And that was going to sail in the round the world yacht race in 1989. And I was, that's just what got me going into a whole career from there. That's awesome. Is there a similarity between coaching a team in a sport scenario in a sport situation to coaching teams in business? Absolutely. Yes. And that's, what I've built my career on now and bring to my clients now is all of those things that I experienced and learned working with really, really high performing teams. You know, now I'm bringing that to the business teams that I work with. One of the foundational things that, you know, I restart working with teams is this issue of trust. And trust, you know, is is really about, you know, having that team know that they know who everybody else is on the team, where they're coming from, knowing that people are there, you know, for in their actions and how things, you know, are going as they're, they're putting the team together. And then that's related to another concept um, called psychological safety. And so if you're familiar with this term, but, you know, there's been a lot of research on it in the last five to 10 years. But the interesting thing to me is, you know, Google went and did this big survey of all of their high performing teams at Google. And they tried to figure out like of of the, of the really best teams that they've, they've got there. What are the characteristics of those teams? So we can figure out what that is and then we can replicate that. Well, it turns out that the number one defining characteristic of the highest performing teams at Google was psychological safety. And that's this concept of having this environment where people are able to feel like they can put up their hand and say, you know, I don't know what's going on here. Hey, I need some help. You know, I might be feeling overwhelmed. I I lost track in the last meeting. Could you help me explain this? Or I see an issue. 
and to be able to raise their hand and do that and not feel like they're going to be shamed or ostracized or, or ridiculed, you know, for asking a question, right? Asking for help. And if you can create this environment of psychological safety, it's also related to trust. I mean, people trust like they can put up their hand and say, hey, look, I need some help here. And someone's going to not ridicule them for that, but they're actually going to help. So I think, you know, those, those are really sort of good starting points. And, you know, to bring it into the sailing, like I, some of these teams that I worked with, you know, when I sort of sort through in my mind about the really great teams and and things that I've worked with, I can see that like these teams that really performed well formed together around building this really solid trust. And it's just a different atmosphere when I would go sailing on those boats with them. Like people aren't arguing about like, you're going to pull this rope, you know, is it your turn, my turn, whatever. They all know what they're doing. They've all got each other's backs in the team. And then that frees up this energy to be able to, you know, sort of look up, look outside the boat. And now people are able to be sort of like much more strategic, bringing information in to the team, which further increases, you know, their, their performance abilities. So I really saw that. And then I, you know, I've also had experiences of being on some teams that despite having great resources, you know, we didn't click together and things didn't you know, move the way that they should and things got in the way. And I was really puzzled at the time and I didn't have the tools or the language or the knowledge to figure out what was going on. I just knew that it wasn't right. So I experienced that side of it too. And so now I can sort of see and I, you know, I can bring that to my business clients and say, look, you know, we really need to work on creating this trust, work on creating this environment of psychological safety so that you all can now have a foundation. And then from that foundation, then we work forward to, you know, to work on maximizing the, the team's capabilities. Mm, yeah, that's absolutely crucial, that point on psychological safety. What happens to a team and to a greater extent, the organization when that is lacking in a working environment? Well, a lot of things. <laughs> Not, not great things always. So in my experience, you know, sort of like when you don't have that environment of psychological safety, then people don't bring their full selves. They don't bring their knowledge to the table. And that's what you want, right? In any sort of endeavor, and it doesn't have, just have to be on a creative team or something like that. Any sort of team, like you want information to be brought into the team. More information gives you more opportunities to to do things, you know, to be able to, to figure your way forward. But if people are shut down, if people don't want to talk, if people are kind of like have had their arms crossed and they're sitting back in the meeting saying, I'm not going to say anything, you know, that sort of thing. Or if the one time they do raise their hand and come up with an idea, someone says, well, that's a silly idea, you know, that sort of thing, they get shut down, right? And they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm never going to put my hand up in a meeting again. So, so the effect of, of not having that environment is that you just don't get to the maximum potential. You know, maybe you'll end up with a team that might be driven, you know, really off of the energy and the ego of one individual instead of having it be the collective group of everybody feeding off of each other and, 
yes anding and oh what about this and like we're you know really having all of some be you know the the, the total sum of the whole team be greater than the, the the parts and that's really what we're trying to get towards yeah absolutely how do you start to build that trust then if you know if it's completely lacking in a team it's probably going to be a lot more difficult but what are some steps we can start working towards to develop that psychological safety across your organization it's not always easy i mean particularly depending on sort of like the level of dysfunction or, or what's you know gone in the past but one of the was a couple of different ways that i approached this <clears throat> one is that sometimes i'll start at an individual level so by that i mean i start talking to people about the things that trigger them right and sort of at, at some level to me being able to function in a high-paced high-stress work environment means you need to have some emotional self-regulation and self-control and self-awareness so that's that's a good place to start and another exercise we do with teams is just something called personal histories right i mean sometimes we can be in a work environment and never really kind of get to know like the histories of the people that we're working with so one exercise which comes from an author called patrick lencioni here's his personal histories exercise and it's three questions it's where were you born you know if you have siblings like how many siblings and where are you in the in the order and what was one challenge you had um, in your childhood and you know this doesn't have to be something that people have to go deep with or anything but what I find in running that exercise is just this incredible richness these stories come out and you find out that everybody's had something that they had to get over in their childhood you know it might be divorce it might be the death of a parent you know all sorts of things that happen in families and and after you've worked with a group and gone through this and everybody after that is sort of like they're like oh my gosh it's not just me i mean everybody's got a story to tell every single person has a story to tell and then that exercise you know it just breaks down some of those barriers and and people i've had people say you know i've worked with this person for 10 years and i never knew you know x y and z about them right i never knew where they grew up i never knew you know about their brother or their sister or something like that and i've worked with them for 10 years and also that's part of this thing and now you know if you break down those barriers people start to see oh well the other people on my team here are humans <laughs> just like me <laughs> start getting over these things mm -hmm. yeah yeah do you think you know building those relationships with your co-workers outside of like just a working environment and talking about other things other than work and projects is better to build those stronger relationships so that they can have a better working relationship as well? Absolutely, yes. And I've, I've done a lot of sort of team building work, uh, right, with businesses and organizations. But what I've seen and what I don't like about the sort of like the typical team building is it tends to be a sort of a a one and done thing, like the, the annual team building thing, right? That's not enough. 
to to rebuild trust and to get to know one another, I, th I think it takes a, a, a concerted, repeated effort. And, you know, so it's not just a, a, a one and done thing. But, you know, I, I definitely having some time outside of work where people can just sort of see, you know, a different side of you and learn a different side of you. I had a, a boss once who said, you know, you could tell a lot about a sort of a prospective employee by going out and playing a game of golf with them. <laughs> Definitely. A lot of stuff comes up all of a sudden and you're like, oh, so that's, you know, you get to see, you know, people display a different side of themselves. They Maybe their guards down a little bit um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think an effective, successful team starts from the leaders and works its way down? Definitely, yes. So leadership is, you know, the team leadership is, is crucial because everybody looks to the leader and, you know, it's not a far off model. It's just, it's just like parenting, right? The, the kids look and watch what the parents do. And so if the parents do things different from what they say, you know, people, Kids get that pretty quickly <laughs> and the same thing happens at work. So, you know, leaders need to walk their talk. If they want certain things to be happening in their workplace, they need to be role models for that. They need to be examples of that. If they want to create an environment of psychological safety, they're going to have to be the ones who demonstrate what it's like when somebody raises their hand in a meeting and says, hey, I need some help. Sorry, I didn't understand what you were just talking about there. Then they can model the, okay, you know, let's go over that again. You know, what are you missing? I can help explain that to you. You know, the, to, to demonstrate those sort of characteristics and qualities, and then to be able to, you know, the leaders, the people that hold the team accountable really although we do work to you know when we get to the more later stages of really building teams then to build accountability within the team sort of within peers rather than having the leader hold the team accountable is something that we work towards but definitely it needs to start with the with the leader yeah awesome so let's talk about soft skills that aren't necessarily soft they can be hard to develop and bring into a work environment so what are some of the really important skills that you need to have for a successful team well that's a really great question so you know the one that i sort of go to first is is empathy really because i think you know many times you know conflict can arise when people tend to be you know, judgmental, or they, you know, they don't give other people on the team, you know, benefit of the doubt and things like that. So empathy to me, you know, is a really important quality to have. And that's to really sort of start looking, you know, being able to put yourself in the shoes of the other person, right? And to sort of think through like, you know, what's going on with them? Why are they turning up to work you know, in a certain mindset or something like that, what's going on, you know, and then being able to start a conversation from a point of empathy, a point of curiosity, a point of inquiry, instead of a point of, say, judgment or, or something like that. And I, you know, and I hate the fact that these are called soft skills, because as you said that, you know, I think that they, they are the hard skills. I mean, it's actually things that we aren't taught in college, at least none of the courses that I, that I went to, they were taught at engineering school or anything like that. So, you know, you're sort of getting out into the workplace and then 
what I find working with, with my clients is, you know, people are getting promoted into leadership positions and they haven't really had the formal training. You know, how do I have a difficult conversation with my direct reports? You know, how do I hold people accountable? You know, how, how do I have a difficult decision with somebody and, and be able to work through solving a problem with them? So, you know, really sort of developing these skills, I think, is incredibly important. Can we talk about one of those actually having a difficult conversation with an employee? Because as leaders, especially if you've never done that before, it could be a really uncomfortable and potentially stressful situation to have that difficult conversation. So do you have some advice for leaders who do need to have some kind of difficult conversation with an employee? Yeah. You know, it is, it's something that's a lot of people find very uncomfortable because most of us don't like conflict right? And we are worried about it and we're scared about it. So we don't really want to sort of like push into some area where we might get into a conflict situation. Anyway, so first off, you know, to, it's almost sort of like there's a little bit of trying to avoid getting to a point where it becomes a difficult conversation. But when you start seeing things going on in the workplace, that's the time to start coming in and sort of just saying, hey, you know, I just noticed something the other day. How are you doing? You know, do you need help? Those sorts of things. Just to right at the very beginning of, you know, maybe a potential situation, just to really start engaging with that employee and starting to have a conversation. And then, you know, I think when it's sort of, if it goes a little bit further, then the next step is to sort of start, you know, helping the employee maybe try to see, Um, a pattern, right? Because we're all very good at sort of like seeing how other people are, but we can't see ourselves. And so sometimes sitting down and having that conversation where I, you know, like, hey, I noticed that, you know, you you weren't prepared for the staff meeting on Monday, and then you sent this email to the client on Tuesday that, you know, was a little off, and then you missed the deadline on Wednesday. Are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, what's going on? Is this anything you'd like to talk to me about? Do you need any help? That sort of thing. You can sort of start, you know, easing into the conversation. But then I think, you know, when it becomes really difficult, then it's sort of, to me, um, you know, and things that I've been caught with in my past is don't make assumptions. (laughs) Just sort of seek clarification. Say, I, you know, I feel like I am, you know, I'm seeing something here. This is what I think I'm seeing. Could you help me understand that? Could you help explain that to me? Because you never really know, you know, everything about a certain situation. And there's one phrase that I'd like to keep um, in the back of my mind, which is, you know, the phrase is kind of like, be kind because everybody's fighting a hard battle, right? You don't know what's going on in people's personal lives and things like that, but having a, you know, having a posture of empathy as a place just to say, here's what I'm noticing and have a conversation about that. Mm, I love that. That is really awesome advice. I also want to talk about having effective systems and processes within a business and a team. And you talk about harnessing the human energy in a business. Can you first tell me what that means, and then talk me through why it's so important. Sure. 
So harnessing the human energy is what we talk about in the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. And the, the reason why we talk about this is because we are looking at a business and you know, as business leadership teams, we've got 136 issues that are coming at us all at once. And the EOS framework is if we can strengthen six key components in the business, then we can get everybody aligned and heading in the right direction. And that's the thing is like, I you know often see like, until you can sort of really get everybody aligned, then people aren't all you know, running in different directions, making different decisions. And that creates this sort of this, this chaos. But if when we can get everybody running in the same direction, then all of their energy is heading in that direction and things look really great. And those six components, I'll just sort of run through them very quickly. It's about vision. It's about really getting everybody 100% on the same page about the vision for your organization. It's about having the right people, as I talked about, right people and right seats, getting really strong in that. It's about running your business on data and really being able to you know, have facts and figures and objective information. And that when you've got those things, when, you, when you've clarified your vision, when you've, you've got strong people and you're running the business on data, then you have transparency into the organization. And then you start seeing the impediments and the obstacles and the things that are getting in the way. And those are, those are good. You want to see those things. And you want to, every business has them, right? I mean, nothing's perfect. But what you want to do is to be able to see those things that are getting in the way. And then to be able to get really great at being able to solve those problems together as a team. And that's the fourth component we call the issues component. And then the fifth component in our model is the process component. And this is about really identifying, you know, like the most important, the, the best stuff that your organization does, and then really being able to document that and get it done the best way and the right way every single time. And when we've got all that in place, the last component is what we call traction. And this is about bringing the vision down to the ground and executing with discipline and accountability over and over. And, and we, so we put the system in place and get all of those parts addressed and worked on. And now life starts becoming easier. <laughs> the business becomes easier to manage. And my clients use words like, oh, you know, I'm so happy. We've got clarity about where we're going. And, I, and now I feel like I'm focused and I can, like, I know what I need to do. I'm so happy that we've got a plan in place, exhilarated. And, and it's just, I, I love working with clients and being able to like take them to that place where they're using words like that because we're working on putting a system in place and getting rid of all that chaos and, and other stuff. So that's what harnessing all the human energy in the business is about. That's awesome. And then once you have that system in place, you have kind of an anchor to always come back to when, you know, new people move into the business, things change, but you can come back to that. And yeah, like you said, get that clarity and direction and everyone going on the same direction. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I, I've experienced this myself and, and I, I've seen this in, in my clients' businesses as well. Like, you know, the leaders might have an idea about where they're going with the business, but they don't tell everybody else in the business. And so that makes it hard for other, you know, the employees in the business to know, 
you know, what's the right basis for us to make decisions? Like, how do we move forward? And so therefore, every time they meet, you know, some decision point, they've got to go, you know, ask the boss, right? And then all of a sudden the boss becomes overwhelmed because every single person is coming to them for every single decision, right? So we get beyond all of that and just keep on reinforcing the system, coming back. I mean, one of the disciplines that we work on with our clients is just to have a, a weekly meeting, a weekly leadership team meeting with a very specific agenda. Just get that discipline and accountability going. And then we open that up to what we call a 90-day world. And so we run, get the whole business running on a 90-day cycle where we're executing in the business for 90 days, pop our head up out of the business and come up for air, look back over the last 90 days, see how we've done, check back in with the vision. Are we all still on the same page with the vision? Yes, good to go. All right, set some new priorities for the next 90 days and then dive back into the business and execute. And so now that creates this cadence that just has the business, you know, 90 days is about the right amount of time that people can kind of <laughs> keep a plan in their head and, and execute on that. And so it's just, you know, and I've, I've experienced this myself, just like when you don't kind of have that regular cadence of, of checking where you're going, I mean, it's like navigating a sailboat, right? I mean, you could be out in the middle of the ocean and sailing all around, but, you know, you've got to, You've got to get your sun sight. You know, you've got to know where you are every single day to be able to, to see if you're on track or not. And we just put those systems in place for the business too. Mm, that's awesome. I love that. So Stephen, do you have one massive takeaway that you'd like someone to get from this episode, from everything we've talked about? If they take away one thing, what would that be? Well, to me, it's it's systems and processes, right? So, you know, I, and it, some of that's my bias because I'm an engineer and a project manager, right? That's my my training. But I I really believe that systems and processes and frameworks can be applied to these things that we call the soft skills, which are actually hard. All of those things that we've talked about, like, you know, how do you build trust on a team? Well, We've got ways of doing that. We can go through some exercises and we can build trust and things like that. So that's my biggest thing that I bring to my clients really is like, you know, if you've got some chaos, let's get rid of that by putting some systems and processes in place. And when you run a better business, then you can live a better life and, you know, have fun, come to work and have fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I think we would all love to come to work and have fun. Yep. So if people would like to work with you or find out more information, where can they connect with you? Thanks, Rachel. So um, my website is uh, catalator.com. So that's C-A-T-Y-L-A-T-O-R, catalator.com. A lot of information about me there. People can send me an email at steve at catalator.com. I'm always happy to talk, you know, just talk to a business owner or a leadership team and figure out like, where are they now? Where would they like to get to? Let's see what we can do. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Stephen. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you, Rachel. It's been great talking with you too. You can connect with Stephen through those links, which I'll put in the show notes below. If you have been enjoying the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app so more people like you can join us on this journey towards mindset mastery. I can't wait to have you again next time. And until then, remember, 
We are only limited by what we believe we are limited.